We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. in the NFL and the Baltimore Ravens will host one of the top AFC teams in the Buffalo Bills as they come for a 1 p.m. kickoff at M&T Bank Stadium. Of course, we all know it's quarterback Josh Allen that leads that team. Another 2018 quarterback that has become a franchise caliber leader, just like his draft mate Lamar Jackson. We've got a jam-packed episode. First up, we've got Chris Brown from One Bills Live out in Buffalo to give us a preview of their team. We've got sound from the biggest storylines of the week. We've got some late-breaking news, and we've got big-time analysis and predictions coming up. We are so excited to get into it. My co-host and I, Bobby Trossett, are going to go over all the latest news, sound from the week, the biggest storylines and predictions. Bobby, I'm super fired up about this one. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have uh, run things down more thoroughly than you just did. So obviously lots to get into. Not exactly sure how the NFL scheduled this for a one o'clock game. It seems like, you know, for two AFC elites, two powerhouse quarterbacks, two traditionally, at least in recent years, stout defenses. I would would have felt like this would have been pretty compelling for a national audience. But nonetheless, uh, regionally here in Baltimore, we're gonna we're gonna be the ones enjoying this one, and I expect it to be high scoring. Even though we'll you, you'll hear from Chris in just a couple minutes, he feels that based on recent matchups between these two teams, it could go the other way. It could be sort of a low scoring defensive kind of game. But I don't know, Sarah. We're gonna get into this. Both defenses are a bit banged up and short, and from a secondary standpoint, there's some issues. So yeah, lots to discuss. Yeah, well, from a content perspective, I love these 1 p.m. games, Bobby. I'm not complaining, but you're absolutely right. This is national TV audience-type stuff. You've got the number one scoring offense in the Ravens and the number three scoring offense in the Bills. Plus, by the way, the Bills boast the number one total defense, so uh, this is this could get crazy. So why don't we do this? We'll jump right in with our interview with Chris, and then on the back end, we'll break it all down. Chris, you know we got to start here. To your knowledge, has anyone checked on Ken Dorsey at this point? Uh, he's just fine. Uh, I think it's just you saw his true colors there in terms of how much winning means to him. And it was funny because in the preseason, with him being the new coordinator this year, we even asked the players, hey, would you rather have Coach Dorsey up in the box 
or down on the sidelines because he had been down on the sidelines the last three years as a quarterback's coach. And to a man, they all said, oh, no, he's he's got to be upstairs. And we're like, why? And they basically said, well, he's he's pretty fiery. He gets pretty heated sometimes. And they didn't want him like swearing at an, <laughs> an official or something. So they said, no, no, he's he's going upstairs. It's not his decision. It's ours. He's going upstairs. Now, he chose that himself anyway, because he just likes having the bird's eye view. Um, but we found that kind of interesting. And you know, there you are in week three. Yeah, still couldn't contain him there. Hey, uh, so both of uh, both fan bases right now aren't very happy with Miami. They're the only one to deliver both of these teams a loss, kind of in an upset fashion. We know what happened here in Baltimore. Things fell apart in the fourth quarter. What happened in, in the game against Miami, and how did they find a way to slow the Bills down? Uh, they ran out of players. Uh, that's pretty much what happened. As far as the fans view it, Look, I have a healthy respect for Miami's defense. They do have a good defense, although you guys may feel differently in light of the fact that you hung 38 on them. They have a good defense, and this was a team that very quietly won eight of their last nine down the stretch last year. It still wasn't enough to get them in the playoffs, but they finished strong last year, and even though they had a coaching change, I was wary that you know if their defense could hold them in the game, they could have a chance. Um but I think the conditions of the day had more of an impact on how the Bills played than anything else. I mean, you had players going out of that game with heat exhaustion in the first half. And then in the second half, the biggest disservice to the Bills offense and, and, and its effectiveness was a 20-play drive that basically sapped every single player on that side of the ball of any reserves that they had left. There were guys taking two IVs, one in each arm at halftime. Um, Isaiah McKenzie told us he was throwing up before he even got to halftime because of heat illness and then took an IV at halftime so he could play in the second half. These guys had nothing left come the fourth quarter when they're on the goal line at the two-yard line you got receivers running routes at three quarters speed because they can't give anymore. Um, so yeah, and at that point, you had already had your seventh, eighth, and ninth offensive lineman on the roster in the game starting. So I, I think there were some very extenuating circumstances that contributed to the Bills getting slowed down, and even then, they still had almost had a chance to win the game at the end. Uh, that's kind of a similar feeling out here that you know had the Ravens not lost Marlon Humphrey in that fourth quarter and didn't have three three rookies in the secondary. If you still look at the rosters, many people would still put, you know, Ravens above Miami. Would you still say the same? Do you feel like the Bills are still a better team than Miami and, and will have a shot to prove it? Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. The Bills are still the class of the AFC East. I think the Dolphins have a really good defense. As I said before, I think their offense has been remarkably efficient. But I do think that at some point that is going to catch up to them a little bit and they will come back down to earth. So, Chris, aside from the heat wave that they all had to kind of deal with last Sunday, can you give us a big picture view of what the injury situation is right now? I know Micah Hyde's neck injury is obviously a big blow for the back end of this defense. And then even the secondary seems a little unavailable right now in terms of depth. So can you just kind of give us a, a big picture look at what's what that's looking like right now? 
Yeah, I mean, the secondary has been the hardest hit with the defensive line a close second, particularly on the defensive interior. So, I mean, essentially, Christian Benford, who's a rookie six-round pick, who has started the first couple of weeks because Tredavious White remains on PUP coming off the ACL that he suffered last Thanksgiving. He's been the starter. They've rotated the other rookie, Kyrie Elam, their top draft choice in with him, and they were kind of platooning through the first couple of weeks. But then Dane Jackson has the neck injury uh, on the Monday night game in week two, leaves the field in an ambulance. He is remarkably back practicing as everything checked out on him, he's practicing on a limited non-contact basis. I would be surprised if he gets back this week just because this athletic training staff and medical staff generally airs on the side of caution. Yeah, so it might be a lot to ask him to play this week. So you're already down. Benford, who broke his hand in Sunday's game, had surgery on Tuesday, is going to miss a couple of games. He's not part of the equation. You already mentioned Micah Hyde. He's out for the season. Um, Dane Jackson is very iffy for Sunday. So now you're down to Kyrie Elam as the lone starter of the top four corners that you have on your roster. Tredavious White can't come back till week five at the earliest. So now you're really dipping in to the depth of your roster. So you're down to Saran Neal and Cam Lewis, who are largely special teams guys who play corner. And then Xavier Rhodes, who they just signed to the practice squad off the street, who's got a great NFL resume, but is coming in here and is going to have three days of practice and may actually have to play on Sunday. So the secondary is really banged up. Jordan Poyer is back practicing. I think he's got a good chance to be back in the lineup uh, to join presumably Jaquan Johnson as, as the other safety filling in for Hyde. And then on the defensive interior up front, Ed Oliver is still a question mark coming up for Sunday. He's missed the last two games with an ankle injury suffered in week one. Jordan Phillips is not going to get back in time with that hamstring injury. He's been arguably their most effective interior player. So you're down two of your top four defensive tackles for the second straight week as well. We've been talking for a few minutes. And we haven't even gotten to like the the marquee guys and the quarterbacks, which are really the guys that, uh, you know, drive everything here. Take us back real quick. In, in 2018, it's just crazy to look back to see, you know, the Josh Rosens and Sam Darnolds and all of them, all with different teams. I don't know, maybe backups at this point. You know, what do you, what do you make of that draft class now? And, and was it always Josh Allen for the Bills or were they searching for anybody else? Yeah, I think Josh was drafted to be the franchise quarterback. That was the plan all along. I don't think they wanted to throw him into the fire, so to speak, right away in 2018. And at that time, Nathan Peterman, who was a fifth round or no, a third round draft choice, if memory serves, um, in 2017, you know, they they kind of saw him as a long-term backup, but circumstances kind of unfolded in 2018 in such a way where it was a fully open competition. Josh wasn't viewed as ready yet, and Peterman had an unbelievable preseason. He led the league in passing in the preseason and then completed 80% of his passes. He was unbelievable. The problem was that never translated to the regular season as the Ravens defense ate him alive in that first game. And it never went, it, it never got better after that. And so Josh was 
promptly named the starter the very next week. They moved forward with Josh in week two and never looked back. And Josh made steady improvements, you know, as his rookie year went on, albeit he missed five games to injury. But down the stretch, he showed definitive improvement with each passing week. And I think once we got to the end of 2018, it was pretty clear that it was all all systems go with Josh at the helm. What I do find interesting, though, is, you know, in each of the recent meetings that the Bills have had with the Ravens, both the Bills defense and the Ravens defense have have held both quarterbacks well below, you know, their per game averages. And and they've been largely defensive struggles. It, it's making me wonder if we might see some of that again this time around. So, Chris, Lamar Jackson's obviously asked to do a ton for his offense. And as we learned in 2021, when he is not available, things do not, uh, you know, tend to go very well. Is that the case with Josh Allen and how this Bill's offense is constructed as well? Yeah, I would say that. Uh, It's interesting because the discussion through the first three games has been, do the Bills need to take a little bit of the burden off of Josh because it all centers around him? And we understand why. He, much like Lamar, is a unicorn of a player. But the run game is really in a place where they don't want it to be. I think they want it to – this isn't a team that's going to run the ball, let's be honest. They're going to throw it 40 to 50 times a game. That's just what their offense is, and they're very effective in doing that. But I think in the back of Sean McDermott's mind, and this kind of came to the forefront late last year, they want the running game – to at least be something they can turn to and rely upon if the passing game maybe isn't in sync the way it typically is in a given week. Or if there are weather conditions like their windswept game last year against the Patriots where you literally could do nothing but run the ball, uh, they want that to be able to turn to and rely upon to carry them through a difficult situation if one surfaces. It is not there yet through the first three weeks. And with a new offensive line coach and Aaron Cromer, who is a very respected O-line coach, I think it will get there in time. But through the first three games, it is not there yet. And so the burden to run the ball falls on Josh. So in addition to being everything in the passing game, He's also keeping the Bills' run game afloat. That sounds exactly what has been said in Baltimore forever, except the opposite. It was like, can we get enough of a passing game to complement the uh, the running game? And this year, boy, has, has Lamar taken his, his passing game to another level. Um, what do you think is the strategy from a Bills' defensive standpoint in containing Lamar Jackson? Well, I think they'll probably go to some of the things that have worked for them pretty well in the past. Um, Of course, the injury situation on defense may change it slightly and make it even more conservative. But I think essentially the way the Bills approach that is, and and this has been Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defense from the beginning of time, do not give up big plays, keep everything in front of you, you know, play an umbrella style defense, whether it's quarters coverage, three deep zone, um, Rely on your defensive front to hold the run game in check. You know, no eight-man boxes, nothing like that. They're not playing single safety high with the speed that Duvernay and Bateman bring to the table. Um, And then just hope you can 
keep Lamar from escaping and being very disciplined in your rush lanes. I mean, the defensive ends are told in no uncertain terms, do not be reckless with your pass rush arc, because the last thing they want is for Lamar to be able to slip under that pass rush, and then he's got an escape route either to his right or to his left, and then you have a major problem on your hands. And for the most part, you know, in in the two meetings, counting the playoff game in 2020 and the regular season game in 2019, uh, the Bills have been pretty disciplined in that effort. So that's why the numbers have been down for Lamar in each of his last two games against the Bills. All right, Chris, are you a prediction guy? And if so, how do you see this one shaking out? It's kind of hard to call it because we still don't know who the Bills are going to have up and available to them on both sides of the ball. You know, their offensive line is banged up. Their defense is still a treasure trove of injuries. But I think it's a tight game. I I think both defenses will keep it tight. And then, you know, who's who's better at ball security? I think that's really what it's going to come down to here. I think the team that has one or two extra possessions because of turnovers is is probably the team that's going to come out on the right end of this because there are a lot of stark similarities. You know, unicorns at quarterback, solid defenses that in, in most cases don't give up big plays, uh, offenses with some playmakers in the passing game, and two outstanding kickers. So I, I could see this being a field goal game and coming down to whoever's got the ball last. Uh, I do worry about this one for the Bills because of the injury situation. So it wouldn't surprise me if if the Ravens win this thing by a field goal. All right. Good stuff from Chris there. Uh, it's very interesting to me, Bobby. One thing that stuck out is you know, the Bills are going to keep the same game plan that they've had in containing Lamar. Not a bad way to go, but obviously Lamar has progressed. Uh, we'll see if that will continue to, to if that strategy will continue to hold out. I felt like the Patriots had a similar game plan where they didn't want to give up the big explosive plays. But I got to tell you, I think the Bills defensive line is much better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Completely different defensive lines. You know, one thing he talked about, too, that I know we'll discuss at length, Uh, in this preview episode is, you know, the impact of Micah Hyde's neck injury. That is a big-time safety playmaker for them on the back end of the defense, and that's a big blow. So I'm expecting, you know, Lamar Jackson and this revamped passing attack to to not only go after that part of the Bills' defense, but continue to showcase what they've shown they can win games at here in the early part of this season, and that is – you know, passing the ball through the air. All right, so we'll get into breaking down that a little bit more. Uh, but as we're recording this, Bobby, we've kind of got some late-breaking news. You know, we had heard uh, John Harbaugh explain at his Wednesday press conference that Michael Pierce had a decision to make. that He had torn his biceps, and he could either go ahead and play through it and try to do an, a surgery after the season, or he could go ahead and do... Uh, surgery now, but that would shut down his season. Well, Pierce just today on Instagram posted a uh, picture uh, of what is this? Firehouse subs, chill chiefs orders. I don't know. It looks like apple cider. He's got ready a gallon of it. And with the headline, with the caption that says, when I get out of surgery later. So it seems to me that he's announced here that he's going to go ahead and do that season ending injury, Bobby. 
Where do you feel like that leaves the Ravens in the middle of the defensive line? Sarah, this one's a bummer. He was off to such a great start. We know he's a run stuffer specialist. This is his second stint back in Baltimore. He was so incredibly stout against the Patriots, right? Just had, they, had, they had no answer. The, the amount of space that he clogs up, <laughs> the amount of lanes that he shuts down in the middle part of that Ravens defense. Uh, he's a very impactful player um, for, for, for the Ravens defensive line. And so it's, it's just tough. I mean, you heard from John Harbaugh earlier this week. To your point, he had a decision to make. You can play through this, but what will that do for you in the long run? Obviously, he wants to continue his career, and sometimes you can further you know, aggravate a tear in this case if you try to play through something with wraps and braces and, and all kinds of stuff, just trying to keep it in place for the next several months of this season. So I, I credit you know, his personal decision to shut it down for the year, but now all of a sudden there's a void to fill. And I know, you know, one of the notes that, that you and I had discussed before taping is, hey, they still have the contact information for big baby Brandon Williams, Sarah. He's no longer on this team. They passed on him. They did not choose to re-sign him. He's a current free agent out there waiting for a call. I don't know if the Ravens are interested in bringing him back in, but man, hopefully he'd be willing to at least listen. I honestly have been thinking that ever since, you know, it was pretty clear that they weren't going to re-sign him and that he wasn't picked up by another team. I've always thought in the back of my mind, you know, Brandon Williams is the type of guy that I could see the Ravens bringing in if they get into trouble. Now, um, Brandon Williams does not bring, bring the same pass rush that Michael Pierce does. Um, so I think the Ravens will miss that. And the Ravens do have a few other guys. There's obviously Travis Jones, who does bring pass rush. So that's nice. And he's back, um, played in his first game against the Patriots. And they can continue to ramp him up. They also have Washington. And they also have, on the practice squad, Isaiah Mack. So they have the bodies. Uh, I don't feel like Washington has played very well uh, against the Patriots. So if the Ravens feel like Brandon Williams was, you know, a better option over the depth that they currently have, I could certainly see them reaching out. I could see Brandon Williams coming in for, you know, a veteran minimum kind of, kind of deal. If that's what, if he's open to it, I don't know if Brandon is, you know, saying he's done with football, but if he's interested in still going, obviously the Ravens right now, um, especially with the offense, the way the offense is going, they look like they're going places. So if Brennan wanted to get another shot at at a you know a playoff run and and you know if things go well a, a Super Bowl run, then then maybe he'd be interested. But uh, right now it seems like they have the bodies to do it. It's just would they make that phone call? I, I'd be very very curious. Um, and also one other piece of news that kind of went out this morning is that for the second time in his career, Bobby. Lamar Jackson has been named the AFC Player of the Month for the month of September. The other time he did it, the only time he ever did it, was the year he won the MVP in November 2019. And Bobby, this just seems like a no-brainer to me. Lamar Jackson is off to a ridiculously hot, steaming hot start. Already almost 1,000 total yards. He's leading the league in total touchdowns. He's leading the league in passing touchdowns. 
He's leading the league in passer rating. You know, there's a lot of guys that are, are playing well, but nobody as good as Lamar Jackson. He, it just seemed like an easy choice on this one. Sarah, is this the NFL trying to get back in the good graces of Ravens Nation for naming Trevor Lawrence the AFC Player of the Week? He's the reigning player of the week coming off of uh, his performance for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think a lot of us were thinking, even though it really doesn't matter, who cares about these honors, right? But like, if we're talking about it, and since you brought it up, I was a bit puzzled by the Trevor Lawrence uh, honor that he received. But nonetheless, the NFL gives gives Lamar, uh, deservingly so, the AFC Player of the Month. And you know, to go along with those statistics that you just mentioned, he's fifth league-wide, fifth in rushing and first in rushing average. Those are just on top of everything else that you mentioned that he leads the league in. So it's been a special start. It's been a um, really just an exceptional start. And the fact that to your point, you know, for the first time since his no since his 2019 MVP season to be named, you know, um, a player of the month perhaps is a bit foreshadowing for what's still to come. All right. So another guy that you know is off to a hot start is the very man who's coming to Baltimore. This is Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, even though they're never going to be on the field at the same time. We always know that the the quarterbacks are like the key matchups that everybody's watching. Who's going to who's gonna come out on top? So let's do this, Bobby. We got a lot to talk about with these two. These two were, were, were draft mates and in 2018. They weren't the most sought-after guys in that draft. Uh, and yet have become the franchise players, two of the best young quarterbacks in not only the AFC, but the entire NFL. Uh, let's get into a little bit about what they've said about each other. Spoiler alert, they uh, don't like to give headlines, but you can tell that they have mad respect for one another. Listen to this. It is crazy to think about. You know, Lamar is, a, is an MVP player. He's playing really, really good football right now. So, you know, we're we're looking go- – we're going into a hostile environment. Uh, we got to find a way to put our best foot forward. You know, there's a lot of different notions and opinions about both of us coming out of the draft, you know, and we're just trying to find ways to help our team win football games. And, you know, he does it as good as anybody in the league. So, um, again, it's no it's no simple task for our defense to go out there and play a guy like his caliber. Um, and it's no simple task for our offense to go against a, a defense and a team of their caliber with, with the head coach that they've got and the – continuity that they've had in Baltimore for a long time. Um, so again, we got to have a good week and, and prepare for uh, in our toughest battle yet. You know, very mutual respect um, between one another, you know, um, but he's in Buffalo and I'm, I'm over here in Baltimore, you know, so it can't, it can't be no hanging out and stuff like that. But when we see, the, um, see each other, we show respect. Bobby, how these two quarterbacks play is going to be a big factor in who wins this game. Sarah, we mentioned it during Thursday's morning ball. 80 and 35. That's the combined regular season win loss record between these two since they came into the NFL together in 2018. I mean, it's just, it's, it's spectacular. And if you think about it, you know, even probably the fact that they're just about even in that category with Josh having two more regular season wins than Lamar at this point is even more impressive for Lamar being that he missed a good stretch of the, the 2021 back end of the season with that ankle injury, bone bruise, whatever that ended up being. Um, and, and then just how long it took for Lamar to actually be named QB one in Baltimore when Joe Flacco, you know, was injured. So, you know, it's, it's just both of these guys, as Chris said, our, our guests earlier on in this episode, 
you know, both of these guys are unicorns. Both of these guys are their offenses in a lot of ways. And I think we're going to see that play out. I mean, I just think it's going to be a high scoring affair between, you know, two high flying offenses. You know, you got Stefan Diggs that the Ravens secondary is going to have to uh, figure out how to deal with specifically Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. I'm sure we'll get good looks at him throughout the afternoon. And then, Hey, for the first time in, in the Lamar Jackson era going up against these bills, aside from Mark Andrews, they have a, a passing attack that the Buffalo secondary is going to have to answer to. And I thought Chris gave a good little sense of, yeah, they, they do respect this passing attack. And I think for, for an outside perspective, Sarah, for the first time to say, yeah, we know that Bateman and Duvernay can kill you on the perimeter, can kill you with the deep ball, you know, can kill you in man. I think finally, finally, there's starting to be some outside respect for what we know in this Lamar Jackson era hasn't been the case until this season. Right. And I mean, just Greg Roman is putting the ball in his arm more and more and more and more, which we have been hearing from, especially fans that have been following Lamar since his college years. And um, Lamar has proven them correct. Hey, I can, I can lead a team with my arm just because I'm the most spectacular running quarterback in the history of this league. Don't get it twisted. I can lead this team with my arm too. And in fact, it's always interesting to me, Bobby, to listen to other players from other teams talk about Lamar. Obviously in, in Josh's spot, he, he can't play it up too much. He wants to keep it on the down low, but you know, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, there's, you know, videos going on around with them talking about Lamar and then Von Miller, Von Miller unprompted just goes off, goes off about number eight and everything that he deserves. I just have never heard players from other teams advocate so passionately for another player in the league. Just completely, complete respect. Now, Vaughn is actually somebody who will be on the field at the same time as Lamar. So he's got a big task ahead of him. Let's listen to what he had to say. You know, Lamar is as dynamic as it gets. You know, early on in his career, they tried to say he was just a runner. And, you know, he's did nothing but prove that he's a total package. You know, he can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He can do whatever it takes to, uh, to win games. Um, to put his teammates in great situations to win. And that's why he should be the highest paid player in the NFL. And that's why he should have the biggest uh, the biggest contract out of all the quarterbacks, which will make him, you know, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And he's done everything that he could possibly do to uh, put himself in a great situation for that. And I know that he's passed it and he's not going to talk about it. But, you know, even though we uh, got a competition and even though I want to win, you know, I'm, I also uh, – you know, I have respect for the game and I know what's right. And it's only right for, you know, the guys to get it done over there. I'm sure he wouldn't talk about it and I'm sure he wouldn't go there. But, you know, I can. I, nobody's like Lamar, man. Um, you know, he's he's quick. He's 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 twitchy. Um, any little space that he can get, he can take it the distance. He's a blend of, of all different players and he can throw the ball. Um, he's, his base is a quarterback. But he can also move like a receiver and, and hit the edge like a running back and make guys miss like a running back and, you know, a receiver and all of these things. And he has a he has a great supporting cast with his offensive line and his running backs and, you know, quick receivers. And, you know, he, he's the guy. It's it's really not it's really not a secret. I, you know, I come up here, if I say anything other than that, then it would be bulletin board material because he, he really he really is the 
the truth and it's nothing but respect for the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Sarah, aside from like just all kinds of respect that Vaughn just showed Lamar earlier this week, I feel like players are starting to realize what is bulletin board material and just how carefully they have to speak during their press conferences so that yep. they, they don't end up uh, on a national headline, you know, for, for ESPN or whatever it is because of how many different publications there are these days in this media frenzy world. So that was actually my biggest takeaway, not only from what Vaughn had to say, but also Josh and Lamar about each other this week. These guys are focused on preparation. They don't have time for all that nonsense. So I, I do credit the the very business-like attitude from both teams so far this week. All right, so we know who does not need to keep things on the down low and is actually always looking to make headlines are some of the national pundits. And I thought this would be a good little clip to play here, Bobby, because I think it'll launch us off into a very interesting uh, debate here. So Max Kellerman of ESPN, he was asked to give his quarterback tier rankings. All right, and obviously... How do you have a quarterback tier ranking, especially towards the top of the list without the two quarterbacks we're talking about, Lamar Jackson and and Josh Allen? So let's get a listen to his rankings, and then we'll we'll have a reaction and see if we have a similar order. These two dudes who are, a lot of people think are vying to be the best young quarterback in the world, if not the best quarterback in the world, all alone in tier one, the best quarterback in the NFL this year is Lamar Jackson. These guys have played very well. These two in particular, the former Alabama guys, not just Alabama for Hurts, but are surrounded with weapons. With weapons, it's different situations. You have to take into account one of the reasons he's alone, he ain't got anything. He's so, so he's doing it by himself. These guys, especially this guy, is working with less than these two right now, but he's getting the same results. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody put Lamar as a, he's definitely been in a tier one before, for sure. But I don't know if I've seen him in somebody's list alone tier one, and then guys like Josh Allen, Mahomes in a different tier. I do think... I mean, this is crazy. I do think that Kellerman has a point in terms of weapons, but I also feel like people sleep on the weapons that Lamar does have. Like, Bobby, Mark Andrews uh, is a phenomenal tight end. He might be the best tight end in the league. And if he went to, I don't know, a ton of different teams, you don't think that he would still be a near 1,000-yard kind of guy? I think he would. I do think people are sleeping on him. Beyond that, I mean, look, I think Bateman on this team or any other team, I think he can be a wide receiver one. Uh, I think he showed that in the first two weeks. He doesn't have the volume that he, you know, could potentially get in other places. So, again, I think that's downplaying that. But having said that, if we're putting together all weapons, like Max is going too far saying Lamar has no weapons, but like. Let's look at this. Mahomes has Clyde Edwards-Alaire at running back. He's got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got McCole Hardman. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know? And he's got Travis and Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. He's got Travis Kelsey. Sorry, right. I, I'm, 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 I was trying to get to that one. So, I don't know, though. So, are, I guess those are, those are better weapons than the Ravens. I don't know. I put Mark Andrews either right there or above Kelsey. I think he's got... More depth at wide receiver. Ravens have their running backs coming back, but 
What do you think? How do you compare these two teams' weapons? Well, I'm looking at the visual, and I know those of you out there listening right now don't have this in front of you, so I just want to make it clear what the three tiers are and who's on each tier. But Max has Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Trevor Lawrence on tier three. And again, this is this is through three weeks of football. Let's keep this in mind. Like This isn't right now in the NFL at large. Like It's just literally measuring three through three weeks of football and who's put what on tape. Tier two is Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, as you mentioned. Then he has Lamar, top dog, sitting alone in, in tier one. And I appreciate his sentiment, I think. I hate, you know how much I hate lists. I hate predictions. I hate all this stuff, to be honest with you, because because guess what? As polished and, and talent, uh, talented of a broadcaster and personality as Max is, this list might look completely different in a week from now. So, like, I don't know. I just think sometimes it's just silly to do this. But for the purpose of this exercise, I do appreciate his sentiment because until Rashad, and, and we're putting Mark Andrews aside, I guess, because he's not a, a true wide receiver, even though he's been Lamar's far and away is his most popular and, and productive target in the last five NFL seasons. But until Rashad Bateman or Devin Duvernay truly become like a bona fide number one guy over the course of a 17 game season, and we we think that 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 Bateman could be that guy as a former first round pick and 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 how he's flashed so far as a as a big playmaker. He's still inexperienced. It's year two. And he's he could be a long way away from that as a label, especially nationally. We have all the promise and, and expectation and hope that he becomes that guy. But until he does, yeah, Max is right. Lamar is lacking weapons compared to his peers on this list. Yeah, I am looking at Allen. I do think Allen, I mean, Stefan Diggs alone is is a massive weapon uh not the best running backs Devin Singletary but he's got Stefan Diggs Gabe, Gabe Davis Isaiah McKenzie Jamison Crowder I mean they could go 10 personnel you know what I mean forget just 11 they could go 10 personnel I mean they got they, he's got a lot a lot of weapons then he's got his tight end Dawson Knox um certainly not of the Kelsey or Andrews level but all right let's let, let's do it this way because we're going back to this 2018 draft, which just blows my mind. If that draft was redone, here's the question. Would Lamar or Josh Allen go first in your book? Would you take your redoing the 2018 draft? You know what they've both done. They've both, Josh Allen completely turned around the Buffalo Bills, right? Just their franchise feels like they had fallen off for forever since like the 90s. And they just were going nowhere until Josh Allen comes in and totally turns things around. The Ravens were kind of going through it a period of mediocrity. It hadn't been as long. They had just won the Super Bowl in 2012. Uh, but things were were not, you know, great uh, after Joe Flacco got paid. And there were some other things that, that were going on there. But went through a couple years of mediocrity. And the Ravens were not off to a hot start under Joe Flacco. He gets injured. And then suddenly they take off under Lamar Jackson. So you know who both these guys are. They're both very different quarterbacks, although both Josh Allen can run, but obviously nobody can do it like Lamar. If you had to start a franchise today, Bobby, don't tell me you don't like doing these lists because we're doing it. <laughs> who are you taking number one overall? I mean, the beauty of it is that, you know, you can't go wrong with who you select here. You literally can't. I expect both of these guys 
to win. I'm not going to say plural, but I expect these guys to both be Super Bowl champions when it's all said and done. I expect both of these guys to be league MVPs. Lamar obviously already has that under his belt. And I expect these guys to be, hopefully, in Lamar's case as well, he'll, he'll be able to make this, this become true. I expect them to both be franchise guys for the team and organization that and what's their plan for right now for a long time. And, and if and if Lamar gets his way and, and this fan base gets their way, then it's going to be in Baltimore forever. He's made that clear. He wants to be a Raven for life. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that, uh, you know, it remains to be seen if that's going to come to fruition. But I mean, look, I, I'll go Give with us an Lamar. Answer. Right? Thank you. <laughs> I will go with Lamar, but I will say if there's one concern that I have, it's that as these guys age, and it's this is going to be years from now, years from now, as these guys age, assuming that Lamar continues to use his legs to his advantage, um, at, at some point, just the natural progression of life starts to catch up with you. And you aren't as as fast as these young bucks coming out, you know, 21, 22 out of these power five conferences. Right. You don't have a step on them as you've have as you've had throughout the last five years. So I, as I say this, Lamar continues to take steps forward with his passing attack. But obviously he's not the passer that Josh Allen is. Will he be in a couple of years when he realizes maybe that life's starting to catch up with him a little bit? And again, just like it's just life. This is what happens. You you naturally become a little slower as you age. So maybe he does end up becoming a prolific, you know, all time passer in the next 10 years. Right. Right now, he's an exceptional one above average. Those the numbers tell you that. Absolutely especially outside the numbers. And we saw that and the improvements that he made in that category last year. And that's carried into this year through three weeks. So um, that's just something that I think is, is worth noting that gives me a little bit of concern about if we're talking literally who I want for over a decade, I think, you know, you could see, I could see somebody who would say, no, it's got to be Josh Allen because he doesn't rely on his legs as much as Josh does, as, as much as Lamar does. You know, that's very interesting because um, we do know that Lamar wants to play, you know, forever. He loves football. He loves football. It'll be interesting just as Lamar has changed and continues to change how we view the quarterback position and what's possible with the dual threat. There's, he's not the first dual threat, but I, he might be opening minds into what can be accomplished. I mean, if he becomes the first guy that, you know, reaches 60 touchdowns, he's currently on pace for 68. If he's the first guy that hits 60, it starts to like Ravens fans are already there, but some of the, these, these other, other fan bases or other people that don't watch him week in and week out, it's going to be one of those mind blowing moments where they're just like whole worldview is going to be rocked. If a, if a quarterback like Lamar hits 60 touchdowns and is the first ever to do that. So then, then the question becomes if Lamar is able to change your mind about injuries with this type of player, which he is not a risky run runner. He's he's not. The injuries he's had has been in the pocket. So if he can change change kind of the narrative on that, and then you can maybe change the narrative on how many touchdowns a guy like him can score and how much he can lead an offense, and and change the idea that a blueprint can can catch up to him. Could he change 
this idea of how long you can use your legs as a threat. I mean, it's every, I mean, father time comes to everybody. He's not going to be the fastest guy forever. But if we're talking years down the road, can he elongate that? Just the way Tom Brady's elongating, right. you know, a high playing um, standard. How old is he now? I don't know. Is he like 50 yet? I mean, he's he's deep in, he's, he's in his 40s and he's still doing it at a high level. Can Lamar be that transcendent guy? So far... Everything he's done is blowing people's mind and changing their worldview on the, on the quarterback. So I disagree with Kellerman. I think both Josh and Lamar are tier one quarterbacks, um, weapons, whatever you want to say. I think they're both tier one. I think Josh Allen, even with other weapons is still a, a good quarterback, but I'm taking Lamar if I'm drafting number one, because I know what he can do. Now, with a depleted roster, I know I can pay him and he can carry a team. He can, you know, make everybody else. He elevates everybody else's play. So so I'm taking Lamar. All right, so let's change things up here a little bit. Uh, let's get a little bit more detailed into this weekend's matchup. Okay, so obviously the biggest probably concern... I certainly have, uh, and I think might be on a at least a couple of fans' minds, is the Ravens' pass defense struggles. We definitely saw it against Miami. So obviously, it hurt that Marlon Humphrey was hurt in the fourth quarter. And then there were times last week against the Patriots where the defense made Mac Jones look like Tom Brady. They just made him look so good. And luckily, it was the turnovers that really uh, came up big for the Ravens. But we know turnovers can be kind of fluky, right? You can't rely on those forever. So the pass defense ranked number 32. The defense overall for the Ravens is ranked number 32, and it's mostly because of that the pass defense, but if you go and ask Marcus Peters, you go and ask Juice Man, he's not worried about it long-term. Listen to this. Bills lead the NFL in yards per game passing, uh -huh. and right now you guys are at the bottom of that. Is that a motivating factor to prove that that's not who you are? <laughs> uh, man, we ain't worried about no placement right now. We worry about getting things flowing so we can be the best defense and the best unit that we can be, and that's ultimately awesome. It'll just keep clicking uh, as the year go on, but we're going to be all right, man. We ain't worried about all that stuff. We Once we get our rolling, it's going to be straight. <laughs> <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. How do you not like Juice Man? He just has everything. He just always so succinct and can say, put things in a, in a way that just makes you laugh. Just so, so good. Um, what about you, Bobby? Do you have as much confidence as, as Peters does? No, unfortunately, I don't. Not after what I've seen so far through, you know, the early part of this season. Let me just say this, too. Let me preface this with it's so great to see Marcus back with a smile on his face. You know, it's it's not easy to be you know, an all pro caliber cornerback who has never really, you know, just been wiped off the face of the earth in terms of availability. And and you can't even be with the team right throughout his, his long rehab process coming back from that torn ACL. Like they're all competitors. These guys are the best athletes in the world. And for them to be taken away from their love, it's, it's 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 just like anything else. It's it's very difficult. So it's nice to see him back, and obviously he's got some some high spirits, and he understands that this is a really young group. You know, another part of what we what we had to hear from him in his most recent media availability is just like the patience that he's preaching for some of these young guys. You know, the Jalen Armour Davises of the world, the Pepe Williams, even Brandon Stevens, who you forget has been groomed within this Ravens defense to be a jack of all trades, Patrick McCary esque guy just on the other side of the football because of their injuries. Let's face it. Did, did we expect him to be playing as much safety as he did last year? I know I didn't. So, you know, he's still learning the game and, and it's really kind of drinking from the fire hose. So I, I don't share that same confidence because I haven't seen it consistently enough yet. And when you come in against a team that, you know, it, it has all kinds of playmaking abilities on the outside. And you know that Josh Allen is surgical in the pocket, outside the pocket, on the run, off his back foot, you name it. That's a concern. And I think he's going to attack the Ravens secondary all game long until he can't. Yeah, I mean, I definitely share his optimism long term. I think that, you know, as he's saying game after game, these young rookies are going to get up to speed. Brennan Stevens really moving more to cornerback this year after playing, as you said, safety last year. So, you know, yeah, they're all going to need time and hopefully they'll come together by the end. And by the way, Juice Man's only going to get better. We saw a huge jump from his first game back uh, in Miami versus versus against Patriots. Like he just he took another step up. So he's going to keep getting there. The rookies are going to keep getting there. So long term, I feel optimistic like he does. but. In, in the context of the question, you know, I'm saying, hey, this is number 32 pass defense going against the number one pass defense. I get it. He can't worry about these rankings. That's what we do in the media. 
Uh, he's just got to focus on doing my job, you know, leading the these these young bucks and helping them keep their heads up. So of course he's not worried about it. But in terms of this game, yeah, yeah, I'm really worried about it. I have uh, like to just think what Josh Allen can do to just pick apart these rookies and kind of just pick on them. That's not going to be a fun sight. Uh, they would have to grow up in a real hurry um, with all those weapons that they have over there. So so I'm definitely <laughs> concerned. One thing that will help, Bobby, is if the Ravens can get some pressure. And outside of the Jets game, that just hasn't happened. And as we know, the Ravens are already paper thin at outside linebacker. And now you add in Justin Houston, who left Sunday's game against the Patriots with a groin injury. Um, Brennan Copeland was a really fun story. Uh, signed, you know, a couple days before. He's a Baltimore guy, got his first sack. So that's a great story. The Ravens will have him again. And then, but the Ravens signed this week, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, who is a two-time Super Bowl champion, knows what he's doing in key moments, now 33 years old. And here's Marcus Peters on adding him. I think this his veteran leadership, man, he he, he didn't want it, what, three times Super Bowl, I think? Twice? Yeah, so you feel me? He he know what it takes to get to the Super Bowl, man. And uh, Just watch him, you know, when they beat uh, the Chiefs, you know, um, I think he was a key part of putting together that, that rush plan, man, of, of, of how they can attack certain quarterbacks who mobile and those things. So I think it's going to be very big to add him, add him to our group, man. So Harbaugh did share this week, Sarah, that he has optimism and that he hopes that JPP will be immediately available on Sunday, which was somewhat surprising to me. We're talking about a guy who doesn't have a training camp under his belt, doesn't have preseason football under his belt. And as we've documented in recent days on the morning vault, he's coming off of uh, rotator cuff surgery repair. And that limited him last year in Tampa. He also had an ankle injury. He's on the other side of 30, as we've noted. So I've been sort of uh, sounding the alarm bells uh, for Ravens Nation to sort of temper expectations, which I know is the, you know, the sort of the safe approach to take here. But I really do believe it. I mean, at the same time, we've discussed this as well. You can't deny the production that he put forth on tape and posted from 2018 to 2020, specifically those three seasons in Tampa. I mean, 30 and a half combined sacks. You give Baltimore a fraction of that, and this is a win. Brian McFarland shared the final numbers on this deal. It's just above the vet minimum, $1.15 million for one year. That includes a base salary of, of $1 million flat and a signing bonus of $150K. So it's, it's very economical. There are some incentives in there from playing time and sack standpoint. But uh, as Brian mentioned, again, Brian McFarland, you can find him on Twitter at Raven Salary Cap. Great stuff as always. But those those incentives are not likely to be earned. So the moral of the story, what my from my point that I'm trying to make here is if he can give the Ravens a fraction of that kind of production that he gave to Tampa pre-injury, and he can hold down the fort until the likes of Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo come back into the fold, that is a major, major win for the Ravens and especially the front office from a monetary standpoint. Bobby, I would be surprised if JPP didn't play this weekend. And that's just out of pure necessity. Like, listen, you can do you can do this with a veteran like this. It's see ball, get ball. 
and, you know, seal the edge here and there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just don't see how they wouldn't put him out there with how thin they are. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be more surprised that if he he didn't play. And and whatever you can do, I mean, these, in these four-man rushes with so many um, targets that Josh Allen has to go to beyond even Stephon Diggs, um, the Ravens are going to need to put a lot of guys in coverage, and they're going to need to get guys to get pressure in, you know, some of these one-on-one matchups and in, or, you know, in these in these four four-man front. So I think he'll be out there and and just keep it simple for him. Just keep it simple for him. You don't have to get, have this big elaborate playbook for him. Just go get the quarterback and seal the edge. The rest, you know, will take care of itself. Now, he's somebody who I'd be surprised if he didn't play. But if we moved into Ronnie Stanley, uh, he's probably the other big question. Uh, for the first time Wednesday, first time this season on Wednesday, he was a full participant. To me, John Harbaugh ramped up the talk a little bit on basically saying, hey, we all know you want to be at your best. And at the same time, you kind of got to get out there at some point. Uh, I think I think John Harbaugh thinks it's time, even though he didn't come out and say it. He's still leaving the decision to Ronnie. But let's listen to that, and then we'll both give our predictions on whether or not Ronnie will play. It's what we see, certainly, and what he feels. I mean, those are the two things that both have to be taken into account. You know, Ronnie's not going to want to go out there, and we're not going to want him to go out there if he feels like he's going to be good. You know, he's going to be ready to go. I think it's uh, a priority to go out there and be at his best when he comes back. At the same time, he's going to have to jump in at some point, you know, so could be this week. We'll just have to see. He's practiced quite a bit today, and uh, we'll see where it's at, you know, now and then tomorrow and then Friday. And make a decision. Bobby, if it's not this week, I'm still around 50-50. Maybe he wants two weeks of full practice. So if it's not this week, to me, it's got to be week five against the Bengals. I mean, I have just heard over and over and over again from John Harbaugh how good of shape Ronnie Stanley is in. And then he keeps repeating the words, you know, we want to make sure, and Ronnie wants to make sure that when he gets out there, he's at his best. I don't know what that means. Does he mean he's at his best in terms of like he's feeling like a starting left tackle or and and not feeling his ankle? Or are we talking about at his best as an all pro? Because the Ravens can't afford to wait till he hits that point. You're not going to get to that point until you're in NFL action. So that's very vague to me. I don't know what that means to, to wait till he's at his best. If it's till his ankle's 100% comfortable, 100% agree. But if his ankle's good and he's medically cleared and he's in great shape, Let's go. Let's get this moving. Coach Harbaugh doesn't have the best poker face ever in his media press conferences. <laughs> and if there's one thing that I am willing to predict is that this week will not be the return of Ronnie Stanley. <laughs> Coach Harbaugh literally has made it so abundantly clear that there's some conflict here, that there's some mixed messaging, that there's maybe a doctor clearance, but not a personal clearance from the player himself, as we maybe alluded to in, in one of the morning vaults this week. Like, I just, I get the sense that, you know, unlike Dobbins, right, who was waiting for clearance uh, from from the, the team medical staff, I think it's the opposite here. I think the Ravens are waiting for, I think they have him medically cleared. And this is kind of what you were, you were pointing out in this morning's morning vault, which I totally uh, applaud you for sort of, you know, getting to this point in speculation. Um, it's calculated speculation, by the way. But 
I think they're waiting for Ronnie, Ronnie to give them the approval. I think it seems like he's medically cleared. I mean, based on you know reading the tea leaves, listening to Coach Harbaugh, watching him be a full part practice participant, his workload ramping up. Whew, I, I still don't think it's going to be this week, which means sure looks like Daniel Falalele is going to be back out there and. You know, you'd expect Greg Roman to have a plan that, that will be advantageous for Daniel, you know, with with some extra blockers on the edge to help him out, whether that's comes in the form of, of Pat Ricard or, you know, one of the tight ends or, or you name it. And, 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 a, and, a, and a heavy ground attack as well to go along with kind of what they were doing in the second half against the Patriots when he got his legs from underneath him. But, yeah, this has been one of the most bizarre, just straight up messaging exchanges back and forth in the last couple months. And I don't think coach Harbaugh is very pleased with how it's going. Yeah. I think that he, he definitely wants him, wants him to go. And just to be clear, and I made this clear in Thursday's morning vault, this is not a situation where at least I don't view it where like the team is saying, Oh, you're injured. We'll go out there anyway. I don't think it's that. I think that especially if you listen to the morning vault, when Dobbins was talking, he kept saying how much he appreciated the Ravens and how Dobbins himself was pushing and pushing and pushing to go back. And then he felt cared for by the Ravens because they were like, no, we don't feel you're ready yet. And we don't want to put you at greater injury. And so they're looking at both situations from a medical standpoint. And the doctors from a medical standpoint are saying, we'll clear you when we feel like you should be cleared. Right. So they're putting doctors will give their clearance based off of what they're seeing. Um, I don't know, with x-rays, MRIs, the trainers, uh, how he's moving, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so I don't think that they're like trying to like f say, Oh, Ronnie, you're at least 90% go. I just think that they have standards for who's cleared and who's not cleared based off of, you know, certain, um, milestones and how they're feeling and all of that. So, so I'm not, I don't want to portray this as like the Ravens are like putting this pressure on, but, but there might be a little bit uh, from Ronnie's point of view, which is understandable. I could see myself being the same way. Ronnie himself felt like he rushed himself back last year and he doesn't want to repeat that mistake. And I don't think he's a bad guy for not wanting to repeat that mistake. And and, um, but there could be a mental component to it that, you know, to, to John's point, at some point you kind of just got to jump in because all medical signs and all physical signs are saying you look good. So now it's like, let's, let's go ahead. Let's take the leap of faith and, and let's go. But ultimately at the end of the day, even if the doctors give the green light and John Harbour might think it's ready, they're giving the decision to Ronnie. It's on him. It's on him and they're giving, they're empowering him with that. And so I just hope that Ronnie isn't giving himself too high of a standard while, and this leads us into the next, next quick session. We're going to end things here. We're going to go through matchups to watch, keys to a win, and then we'll do our score pr predictions and we'll end, end this up. But to me, this is the biggest matchup to watch. If I hope Ronnie Stanley isn't waiting to feel like an all pro again, because right now the Ravens have Daniel Falalele on one side, Morgan Moses on the other matching up against freaking Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. I mean, Falalele really found his footing last week. He better find a whole other level if he's going up against Von Miller this week. I think that for the Ravens to be successful, 
against the Bills, and this is going to be a tall order. They're going to have to figure out a way to keep this extremely talented and explosive defensive line because it's not just their outside linebackers. They've got a great interior line too. They have got to find a way to keep Lamar somewhat clean so that he can do his thing and keep putting up 30, 35, 38 points, whatever it takes to beat this this Bills offense to outproduce them. And I would feel a lot better if Ronnie Stanley were out there but whoever it is, that is going to be a key matchup to watch. In terms of my matchup to watch, Sarah, I think the fact that what we heard from Chris, you know, not only has the Bills secondary lost a true playmaker in Micah Hyde, but you know, from a cornerback standpoint, because Micah is a safety, you know, Tredavious White and Christian Benford not available due to different injury-related items. In Tredavious's case, it was last season's ACL injury. And then Christian was one of their rookie selections that you heard from Chris, who just underwent surgery for a, a broken hand earlier this week. The fact that they are going to be banged up in that category, I think, you know, bodes well for a Ravens passing attack. And so the matchup I'm going to be looking for is how Lamar Jackson can show the world, I know it's not a national audience, but you know what I mean, hyperbole here, show mm -hmm. the football world how he can go head-to-head -head indirectly with somebody who is obviously one of the most prolific passers in today's game, in Josh Allen's case, how he can attack and surgically attack like Josh does uh, the, the Bills secondary. So that's something I'll be looking for. Well, and also not to, even, to mention like in, this, in the depleted secondary that the Bills have is Jordan Poyer also had to leave the game uh, last week, their safety with a foot injury. Now he did return to practice on Wednesday, but he was limited. So my guess is, is if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. So um, even if he's back, that's, that's going to hurt the bills. Okay. So what do you think, Bobby, in your mind for the Ravens to pull out a win over Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills? What, is like the main key or two main keys? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, first and foremost, it's going to be no busted coverages, communication from top down, defensively speaking. And I think, you know, from while this hasn't been nearly the issue that it was in 2021, staying disciplined at the point of attack and specifically with the angles that you take at the point of attack when it comes to their playmakers, whether that's Josh when a play breaks down and gets, he gets into the second, third, fourth, so on and so forth, uh, areas of the Ravens' defense, that's where he can kill you. I mean, he is a big, burly guy, but his mobility is one of his greatest strengths, kind of like Lamar, even though you know they're very different players, both image-wise, physical, physically-wise, you name it. But uh, to me, this this starts and ends with the middle part of the Ravens' defense because – we know how mobile he is. We know how crafty he is. And like Lamar, when a play breaks down, he's sometimes at his best. So when he gets into that second level of the Ravens defense, they are going to have to be on their P's and Q's. Patrick Queen comes to mind right away. Uh, he'll be leading that charge, you know, being ready to go if he can get through the first level or when he gets through the first level. So um, that type of polishedness, I think, is, is one of the big, big keys defensively for this team. All right, so in my view, I'm to me a couple of busted coverages or long plays downfield is baked in. Like I just don't have any faith that that's not going to happen with the number one pass offense against the worst pass defense. So to me, 
here's two ways that they're going to have to overcome that because I think it's coming. Number one, they're going to need probably at least three turnovers. That's a lot. And I don't even know how much faith I have in that, but I have more faith in a turnover here and there than I do of like completely stopping a like long, easy, big play backbreaking touchdown. So Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, uh, all these guys, Patrick Queen can't drop a pick six, like all of it. They have got to find a way to create turnovers and take away possessions from Josh Allen. And then the other, so that's the main way I think that they're, they have the talent to be able to slow down Josh Allen. The second way to slow down Josh Allen is Lamar Jackson and the offense needs to get back to a little bit of those long drives. Because the second way you can slow down Josh Allen is to not let him have the ball in his hands. So, hey, I'm all here for these quick strikes. Uh, Talking to Chris, I agree with him. I think that they're going to be similar to the Patriots where they're going to play a little bit more conservative, try to play off. And then so you, you give up to Lamar some of these short passes. But if J.K. Dobbins can take yet another step forward. By the way, how about that spin move? How about that spin move? When he was on with WJZ and Mark Viviano, they were like, where was that? And he's like, I didn't even know. And he's like, even the coaches were like, whoa, where did that come from? And he's like, game time, baby. Just when the game starts, you're you're not really taking risks. But when the game starts and the situation calls for it, your body just moves. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if we can continue to see that from JK and Justice Hill and Lamar Jackson, but it's got to be sustained long longer drives because I don't know that you can keep up in a traditional shootout where it's like a, you know, Mahomes quick strike versus an Allen quick strike. Let's do more of like a Allen's out there. He's going to get a quick strike and then give your defense a lot of time to like rest and get their energy to hopefully get a turnover or two. And so just sustain those drives to me that that would be the best, you know, strategy for the Ravens to win. All right. So that leaves us with one thing left, your favorite part of every preview. Bobby, I need a game prediction along with the score. Hey, you should feel good. You're 3-0 and so far. You've predicted all the games. That's true. That's true. But you know what I'm not going to do this time around, which I think is going to make you a lot happier of a person? What? Complain about it? I'm not gonna go on some long. I'm not gonna go on some long. <laughs> I'm not gonna go on some long-winded monologue before I give the prediction. I'm just gonna straight up give it. All right. Good. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. I am gonna go with um, a Bills win over the Ravens in Week Four. Final score: 38-35. How about you? Oh my gosh, we are so close on this one. I've got 38 to 31 Bills. Okay. I, I yeah, toyed I mean, with getting into Sarah, the forties, like, by the way. I toyed with going into the forties. That's how crazy I think this is gonna get. This is, and maybe the, the Ravens defense yeah. will surprise me, but it wouldn't surprise me if if Josh Allen and the Bills put up forty in M T Bank Stadium. It wouldn't surprise me either. And it it has the makings of a great AFC shootout. But as we know, as Chris mentioned, the last few times that these two teams met, that wasn't the case. But the last couple times that these two teams met in this Lamar and Josh era, they were constructed very differently too. And injuries weren't as big of a storyline as they are this time around. So 
I guess we're both on the same page, which means, you know, it'll be the exact opposite come Sunday. Right. Well, exactly. And I will say this, man, if the Ravens pull this out, wow. Like if the Ravens pull this out, they start off three and one and they prove us wrong and the defense is able to take another step forward. It's like, holy cow, they just beat the Bills and they still don't even have all their horses. You know what I mean? So, and if they lost, I certainly don't think it's the end of the world. You're two and two uh, with the Bengals up next. So certainly wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, Still know you've got a great team with Lamar Jackson leading the way. And then you've got reinforcements coming, all that kind of stuff. But if they can, they can beat one of the top AFC teams without all their players. I mean, that would just, that would just be massive. So let's, you know, cross our fingers and hope that you and I are wrong. Yeah, Sarah, and before we jump, I think we got to give a birthday shout out too to a special former Raven who remains very involved in the organization, does not miss a home game. That is OJ Brigance, 52 years old today, senior advisor to player development for the organization right now. And of course, a former linebacker, Super Bowl champion in that 2000 winning season. And uh, man, he is just, uh, he's the pulse of this organization. I know you uh, had a chance to, get to know him well over your years in Baltimore. And you understand being that you were an actual team employee at one winning drive, just how important he is and what his presence means to that organization. Yeah. I mean, I can still remember when I was an intern there and and he was helping me find housing in Baltimore trying to help me out there and just him and his wife, Shanda. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're just like such a good example of, of keeping a positive attitude when it just feels like, you know, everything is, is going wrong around you. And, you know, health is probably one of the most precious things that we have. And, and he has to rely on other people 24 seven to keep moving. And the way that his mind, his mind, it's just so, it's just so beautiful the way he can still write and communicate, uh, with that machine that can read his eyes and all of that. Just, uh, just each birthday that goes around, I can remember, I mean, early on when, when he started descending, it was just thought, I mean, over, I don't know how long it's been. It feels like it's been over a decade where the thought was, well, he's not going to be around for much longer, but he just keeps going and he keeps going and he's so positive and he's so inspiring. So absolutely happy birthday to OJ Brigance. All right, so we're going to wrap things up here, Bobby. That was a very meaty preview. I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done some emails. So if you've got emails, comments, or questions, send them out to us. We're Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com. Check out this morning's Morning Vault. We'll have another one on Friday. And then, of course, we will be back here to talk about this big game ahead, Bills versus Ravens. So keep it locked in here at the Ravens Vault. Ah!